when icicles hang by the wall part one from the flowers of shakespeare this is a librivox recording all librivox recordings are in the public domain for more information or to volunteer please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Nima. The Flowers of Shakespeare by Esther Singleton. Holly and Ivy. Holly, Ilex Aquifolium. Holly, with its beautiful red berries and unique leaf, stiff and prickly, but highly decorative, is the chief emblem of Christmas. We are continuing very ancient traditions when we hang up our Christmas wreaths and garlands. The earliest records of the human race contain references to the custom of decorating houses and temples and evergreens on occasions of rejoicing. Holly comes to us from pagan usage. Five hundred years before the birth of Christ, the Romans had been celebrating their midwinter festival, the Saturnalia, commemorating the equality supposed to have existed on earth in the golden reign of Saturn. The Saturnalia was a period of general merrymaking and relaxation. People gave each other presents, wished each other Io Saturnalia, just as we wish each other Merry Christmas, and decorated their houses and temples with evergreens, among which Holly was conspicuous. The early Christians who celebrated the birth of Christ during the Saturnalia adorned their homes with holly for the purpose of safety. They would have been unpleasantly noticed had they left their homes undecorated. After a time, holly became associated with the Christian festival itself. As the Christmas celebration spread throughout Europe and into Great Britain, local observances naturally became added to the original rites, and gradually to certain features taken over from the Saturnalia were added customs which the germanic tribes the scandinavians the gauls the celts and early britons practised for the midwinter festival thus says a modern writer all the pagan winter festivals were transmuted and sanctified by the christian church into the beautiful christmas festival that keeps the world's heart young and human the church also brought from ancient observances a number of lovable customs such as the giving of presents the lighting of candles the burning of the yule log the boar's head the christmas tree the mistletoe the holly laurel and other greens and the mince pies at a season when everything was chosen to commemorate or invoke the spirit of growth or fertility the holly mistletoe and ivy all of which bear fruit in the winter became particularly precious beautiful cherry holly with its glossy prickly leaves and its coral bells, was a sacred plant in the childhood of the world, and will continue to be a sacred plant as long as the world lasts. We may make garlands of laurel or bay leaves, we may bind together ropes of crowsfoot or smilix, and we may bring into our rooms pots of poinsettia, but nothing takes or will ever take the place the holly occupies in our affections. In our literature, holly is honored it now symbolizes the spirit of christmas as nothing else does one of the earliest christmas carols dating from the fifteenth century describes a contest of holly and ivy for the chief place in the hall holly is the man and ivy the woman they have an argument 
which is a kind of duet each setting forth his or her claim to superiority finally it is decided that holly with his beautiful red berries shall reign in the hall instead of ivy whose berries are black moreover many sweet birds are attracted to holly but only the owl loves ivy holly is of course the subject of many carols a typical one of the fifteenth century is as follows here comes holly that is so gent alleluia to please all men is his intent alleluia but lord and lady of the hall alleluia whosoever against holly call alleluia whosoever against holly do cry alleluia in a leap shall be hang full high alleluia whosoever against holly do sing alleluia he may weep in his handy's ring alleluia from the above it will be seen that it was a crime to say a derogatory word about holly holly was not only loved for its beauty but it was a holy plant witches detested it and it was a charm against their evil machinations the name comes from the anglo-saxon hollen the norse word is holf or holver and as chaucer calls it holfery we may conclude that holly was familiar to the people of chaucer's time under that name it is somewhat singular that shakespeare has written a song of wintry wind and holly berries to be sung in the forest of arden it affords however a delightful contrast to the sunlit summer woodland while in it holly is not actually described amiens song will always remain the song of songs to holly blow blow thou winter wind thou art not so unkind as man's ingratitude thy tooth is not so keen because thou art not seen although thy breath be rude heigh-ho sing heigh-ho unto the green holly most friendship is feigning most loving mere folly then heigh-ho the holly this life is most jolly freeze freeze thou bitter sky thou dost not bite so nigh as benefits forgot though thou the waters warp thy sting is not so sharp as friend remembered not heigh-ho sing heigh-ho unto the green holly most friendship is feigning most loving mere folly then heigh-ho the holly this life is most jolly ivy hedera helix shakespeare mentions ivy twice in a midsummer's night dream where titania bidding bottom sleep says sleep thou and i will wind thee in my arms the female ivy so and rings the barky fingers of the elm and in the tempest when prospero compares his false brother with the ivy the ivy which had hid my princely trunk and sucked my verdure out on it in the old carols and plays ivy is always represented as a woman and yet although beloved was used for the outside decorations and doorways ivy never had the place within that holly occupied as ivy clings and embraces the object near it the plant was chosen as an emblem of confiding love and friendship tusser's commands are as follows 
Get ivy and holly. Women, deck up thy house. Ivy was also used in the church decorations at Christmastide. In the Middle Ages, ivy was a favored and most auspicious plant. An old carol says, Ivy is soft and meek of speech, Against all bale she is bliss. Well is he that her may reach, Vene corona beris. Ivy is green with color bright, Of all trees best she is, And that I prove will now be right, Vene corona beris. Ivy beareth berries black, God grant us all his bliss, For there we shall nothing lack, Vene corona beris. Ivy was the crown of the Greek and Roman poets, whose myths proclaimed the plant sacred to Bacchus. Indeed, the plant took its name from Bacchus, Kisos, for it was said that the child was hidden under ivy when abandoned by his mother, Semele. The ivy was mingled with the grape and the crown of Bacchus, and it enwreathed his theresis. Ivy berries eaten before wine was swallowed prevented intoxication, so Pliny says. Perhaps because of its association with Bacchus, ivy was hung at the vintner's doors in England as well as on the continent, and a reference to this custom is contained in Nash's Summer's Last Will and Testament, 1600. In Shakespeare's time, ivy was considered a remedy against plague, which gave another reason for veneration. England would almost cease to be England without the ivy that so luxuriantly covers the walls of old buildings and adds its soft beauty to the crumbling ruins. Everybody loves it, strangers as well as natives, and everyone loves the poem that Dickens inserted into the Pickwick Papers. Oh, a dainty plant is the ivy green that creepeth o'er ruins old. On right choice food are his meals, I ween, in his cell so lone and cold. The wall must be crumbled, the stone decayed, to pleasure his dainty whim. And the mouldering dust that years have made is a merry meal for him. Creeping where no life is seen, a rare old plant is the ivy green. First he stealeth on, though he wears no wings and a staunch old heart has he. How closely he turneth, how close he clings to his friend, the huge oak tree. And slyly he traileth along the ground, and his leaves he gently waves, as he joyously hugs and crawleth round the rich mould of men's graves, creeping where grim death hath been, a rare old plant is the ivy green. Whole ages have fled in their works decayed, and nations have scattered been. But the stout old ivy shall never fade from its hale and hardy green. The brave old plant in its lonely days shall fatten on the past, for the stateliest building man can raise is the ivy's food at last. Creeping on where time has been, a rare old plant is the ivy green. End of Holly and Ivy